Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony and I'm your host with over a decade in the local church. I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in practical ways. Guys, I'm so excited for this conversation. Today, I get to talk to Daryl Flash Gordon, member of the Notre Dame National Championship Team, change agent, speaker, author, movement leader. His resource, Change Does Not Happen in a Flash, is so good. And we talk about the change process, we talk about stories, we talk about what it means to pour into the next generation. Man, this guy has a heart for Jesus and a soul for change. I think you're absolutely going to love him. If you do love him, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. And as always, the highest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who thinks change needs to happen now. Now, without any further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Daryl Gordon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have a new friend of mine, author, speaker, uh, former uh, Notre Dame football star, Daryl Flash Gordon. Flash, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I'm so excited about being here and having a great time and conversing with you today. So, So we'll have a great time today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, one of the things that I really love to start with is asking people about kind of the macro calling that God has placed on your life. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious, how would you describe the calling that God has for you? You know, I, it, it's, it's been clear for me, right? God has asked me to, to, to take care of his children, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I've sometimes heard it, sometimes I didn't hear it, Tony, but but you know, finally, I I picked up on the message after so many uh, after so many um, opportunities of of um, understanding what God is trying to say, and um, and calling was to even do the work at Worley Youth and Family Treatment Center, where we provide therapeutic treatment for young men and women that have been abused, neglected, or abandoned. So I, I didn't know He wanted me to work with with such a a a a precious group of, of, of young men and women, but, um, but he gives you only what you can handle. Right. So, and I am so excited about the work that I do and our team, uh, within our organization is just excited about the work that we do. And we Mm -hmm. get to transform the lives of young men and women that really dealing with difficult things, both mentally, physically, sexually, and we get them out of that space and get them back to their respective homes so that they could be viable citizens within their own communities and children. One of the interesting things about your story is that it involves a lot of sports, a lot of education. How did you end up at Wernal? I mean, right? Like it seems like out of all the places that you could have chosen to do the work and you have so many connections in the world. Why, how, how did God kind of, how did you know that God was calling you there specifically? You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, with, with, with my, you know, with, you know, as the book mentions um, a lot about my spiritual life, my mom, I had five brothers and sisters and um, I was the one that always called to go to church. Mm. And at the end of the day, um, that, you know, Bible study, you know, the, the, the um, um, church on Sundays, children's church, right. Revival on Wednesdays, right. I, I was there all the time, Tony. And I think that just, that started my engine going. And, um, 
And and then I, you know, had the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and 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 not intentionally knowing that there was such a, a faith-based dra- uh, backdrop there uh, in the way in which every dorm had a chapel and and there's a big Sacred Heart Church where you can, you know, really be in awe of that 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 church and and one of the I think it's one of the ten wonders of the world is unbelievable, but it 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 really pulls you closer I think, to to Christianity and I and I just got more refueled and then after leaving, you know, I I I did some work in different fields and became an attorney. Thought I want to be a sports attorney and be back in the field of sports. And God said, "Listen, I got something else for you." And and uh, as I was in the sporting field, I was working for the NCAA, and we we started a character development program for youth right there. And I was I was working in a membership department, so really helping to interpret the rules and regulations after law school on the laws that 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 governed our, our institutions. And uh, but but this program, the NFL, NBA, National Hockey Association, National Track, National High School, all of these groups were coming together to address the issue of character, and the NCAA. Mm said, listen, we'll embrace it. We'll take it on. I think we got the guy in-house that really can, can help us grow this. And we'll give it back to you when we're done, right? And you all could begin to implement the program. And they, they asked if I would be willing to start this program. And I and I did. And, and it, it, you know, it was just a calling for me to, to do that kind of work. And later, you know, this opportunity came about with Warnley Youth and Family Treatment Center. So I said, I'll, I'll go to a friend of mine. I said, hey, come on down and check it out. And I, I go down and it's a hundred acre campus, a beautiful campus, but but needed a little help, right? And and I thought, wow, what a what a diamond in a rough, right? Just a great place. And I got there and um and after you know several interviews, and there, there was, I think it was, you know, there was candidates on the there was just hundreds of candidates, I remember. And it came down to two people, myself and this other gentleman, but the other gentleman was seasoned. I was 35 at the time. He was 55 and he was a clinician and he understood their issues. And at the end, the board says, hey, Daryl, we are so sorry, but the board was split and and they went with the other gentleman. I said, well, I, I understand because I, I still love my work at the NCAA. And, um, and I went back to work and then six months later, I get a phone call. And like I say, God, when God works and he moves, he, he is serious about that movement. And he said, hey, um, I, I want you to spend your time here. And, mm. and uh, I remember going on campus and I, you know, and I accepted the opportunity when they came the second time. And, and I was the fourth CEO in two years. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be the, <laughs> I don't want the fifth one to come right behind me. <laughs> so we had a lot of conversation about strategy and goals and expectations, right? I, I thought I had that put down a table early so I'd know what, what my expectations were, but, but I thought that the best thing was, you know, I thought I'd probably be there three years and, you know, and it was my opportunity to get my feet worth were um, wet as a CEO. It really helped transform them. Uh, and after three years, I said, I needed another and I needed another. And God says, you need more and more and you need <laughs> this and build that. And, and we transformed the entire campus, you know, 20 years later. Um, so it's been a, it's been a real blessing for me and my family um, to have an opportunity to change the lives of young women and men and, and it not be all about widgets and dollars and, and stock options and all of those things that I could have been in, you know, working on wall street for years and, and doing some other stuff. Uh, I felt like I was, was helping mankind, which was, which was gratifying. 
I love that. I, I'm I'm really curious. Uh, what do you what what have you learned about God as you've walked alongside families in treatment? Because I, I would imagine when Jesus talks about the least of these, there's a lot of people who who maybe come across your path that at least for a season would fall into those categories. I mean, prayerfully, not forever, right? But like for a season, I would imagine showing up as a family to a treatment center has got to be one of the scariest moments. What what have you learned about the character of God in these, on this journey? You, you, he is, you know, maybe not in particular as it relates to the families, but as it relates to Warnley. Yeah. It, he's, he's clear, this is my facility. Mm. It's been around for 140 years. And these are my kids. And, and you need not worry about infrastructure, finances, all of those things, because I will make sure those are taken care of. Your responsibility, Daryl, is to make sure you transform my children and provide the infrastructure and the, and the, and the, the, the pieces that are necessary, the staff, the buildings, the culture, all of those things that are necessary to build a great organization and help to transform children that that that's what I want you to do for me. And and he's clear because there's been times, Tony, where it's been rough. It's been tough, you know, in the industry, you know, and especially coming out of a COVID, you know, where where you have to be present. It, we don't get to say we're going to work from home because our kids reside on our campus. Sure. So there's mandates of, you know, one staff to every four kids and and you have to hold firm to that and be present because they need 24 hour supervision. So, so, um, and then you got, you know, you got the staff crises, you know, that where staffing crisis where there's less and less people available to, to provide that service or who were willing to provide that service. But, but I always know when, when families come to answer your question, when families come and it's Christ in the same place as us helping to transform their children. And um, and that's the that's the blessing of having a Lutheran service affiliated organization, right? It's interesting. I, I you know my book I was talking about it, and the revelation really came to mind where my mom spent you know eighteen years with me in development spiritually. Then, I, without no understanding, I go to Notre Dame, not knowing why I went there. Right, I had opportunities to you know to go anywhere in the country, but that's where he lands me, and I knew nothing about Notre Dame. Uh, and, and there's five years of spiritual development. And then I find myself 20 years at a Lutheran affiliate organization, a faith-based nonprofit, right? I'm like, it's got to be God, right? right. So, so it's, 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 I'm just following his trail. And, um, and that's, that, that's where my energy and my enthusiasm come, you know, just from following his, his, his request, and hopefully I can be obedient to his request on a consistent basis, because sometimes it's challenging, Don. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, are you sure you want me to be here? Are you sure you want me to do what I'm doing? And um, and he, he always confirms. So, so yes, I, you know, our families, I think, really uh, appreciate the work we do and know we're doing from a spiritual perspective. And I think that's that speaks volumes in comparison to those facilities that are doing it without a faith based backdrop, you know, which is so important. One of the things that we say around here a lot is that if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. And yeah. you, you seem to me like a very disciplined guy. I'm kind of curious if you could take us through some of your like 
your non-negotiables that that make you the best version of you on a daily basis? <laughs> well, it's interesting. My non-negotiables. You know, my non-negotiables are are first of all, you know, I I I will not allow anyone to get in the middle or in the way of my five thirty workouts. Mm. You know, and and that's really my time with my with myself and physically, mentally, and time with my children too. So my my son, he's a um, you know, he's an all state football player, quarterback, and um, number number one dual threat in Indiana. Well, number one dual threat in Indiana, um, and he works hard, right? He puts a lot of time in, and uh, you know, a daughter who who also you know is an all state basketball player and currently uh, in college now at Harvard, and just you know, and just really, um, the, you know, the, you got to find the time to spend with them, and those are non negotiables for me. You know, my time with my children, and I I grab it whenever I can, and sometimes. It's in the morning, right? That's maybe when I can have my time with them. Um, those are non-negotiables. I also just, just you know, respecting you know, um, mankind. Like that's mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Regardless of who you are, um, you deserve to be respected. And and I try to teach that in the folks that we work with, you know, and our children, my own children. That you know, everyone deserves to be respected, regardless of their position. Their economic status, uh, their ethnic background, they deserve to be respected. And I, and I think also non-negotiable is my time of Christ, right? If it's on Sunday's church or if it's in prayer, um, I, I don't negotiate that. You know, those are other non-negotiables as it relates to my life. And, um, and, and I am really disciplined about strategy. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think... You can live your life without a strategy. And, you know, I, in my book, I talk about change and the process of change. And 80% of the American people never change until they experience a severe degree of discomfort. Think about that. 80% of us never change only until we experience something drastic. Mm. It, it's a heart attack, right? We decide to eat better or it's, it's bankruptcy. We decide, I got to get my finances together. Or perhaps it's I, I got an F on my exam. Now I got to step my game up in the classroom, right? Or, or perhaps I, I was doing something unethical. And now I'm going to get on my knees and says, God, now I'll give you the time you need if you can get me out of this, right? Those, that's when we begin the change process. And that's not negotiable. We should be, we should be forthright and early in the process, right? And and changing way before that, like the 20 percentile of the people that are doing it. That's 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 where I think, you know, the life of importance matters. It's, it's interesting to me as I kind of dive into your story more and more that um, you, you weren't exactly sure why you went to Notre Dame, although you clearly felt called there. And now you're an expert strategic planner and you've done it for hundreds, if not thousands of, of companies and people all over Um uh, you know, all over the world, really. Did you did you learn how to become a strategic planner, or or is that something that you think that was hardwired in you that Notre Dame or or a coach brought out of you? And are we hardwired that way? That twenty percent, and then the rest of us, you know, the twenty percent who like change, are they just hardwired that way, and the, the rest of us have to kind of learn it, or is it just a learned skill that some people get earlier than others? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I um. 20 years ago, 
I remember I went to a, a certification class at Harvard. It was strategic planning and nonprofit at Harvard University. It was for, I think, for several weeks. And, and it was all about strategy for nonprofits. Mm. And I think I needed that to determine how to strategize my life as related to my career in Warnley, right? And to really understand that process because I, I am hardwired detail-wise. You know, I like structure. I like to know that there's a, a beginning and an end and I need to know how to get there. So I can, I can get anybody, I can get anybody to success if they give me the opportunity to spend time with them. You know, my daughter, like, you know, she, you know, when she was younger, we just spend time together. And I, she wanted to be an all-state basketball. I said, okay, you want to be an all-state basketball player? We're going to figure that out. Right. If you want to go to Harvard, Yale, or Notre Dame, we, we will, we will figure that out, but we have to have a strategy to get there. And it starts early. And the same with my son. It's not that he's just so gifted. It's because we had a strategy and now he's the number one player in the country. It's, it's, it's the change process that I talk about in my book, right? It's, you know, it's patented. I, it's, if you're willing to change, it's, I call it the flashpoints, Tony. It's, it's, you know, Tony, it's the flashpoints as it relates to these five pieces will change your life. If you're willing to, to uh, utilize that, the acronym FLASH, F being face up to it. Somebody says, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, you ready? Well, I'm not tight, but I'm going to do it. Well, then you're not ready for the change process. But when you are committed and says, now the time is here, I can't go any further without moving forward with the change process. Then I check the box on the F. Now I, I talk about L, the learning your capacity. You have a capacity to even change. Like, are you, you know, people come there, I want to run a four, five, 40. Well, that's probably not possible. Mm-hmm. In, in, in your situation. So that's something that we can't change. So I, I, we always talk about that you have the learned capacity to do it. If they do, the A, which is the most important you talked about, is the action plan. Now I gotta, I'm going to put a plan together, but I'm going to do with the most brightest and the, most, the, the people that I respect the most and have God part of that process. And I'm going to put a plan together to get there, to get to the chain where I want to go. And then, you know, people like, what's the S? So that's the support. Like my son's like, hey, dad, I, I have a strategy and uh, of how I'm going to be, you know, Mr. Football this year. I'm like, OK, who did you tell that to? Uh, nobody. I just keep it to myself because I don't want to disappoint myself. I'm like, how how do you how do you execute a strategy if you don't tell anybody? And maybe it's that you want to have you know, four thousand yards this year overall. But if no one knows that. How can you reach your your strategy, your strategic goal? So support systems, they're all there to support you if they know, right? And at the final is holding on to it. So we get there, Tony, and we finally reach success. And what happens? We go back to square one. Hmm. So, 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 so how do you prevent people from I just lost a 20, now they, you know, next year they gained 40. <laughs> right? They, <laughs> and now they're buying cars and homes and everything else and starting back over again. So, so the, the last part is how do you hold on to it and, and prevent yourself from dropping back into that place? Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Flash to remind you now is the time to sign up for the Spirit and Truth Substack. 
The Spirit and True Substack is a blog for spirit-led leaders who want to lean into what it means to lead their organization with dependency on the Holy Spirit. Go to spiritandtruth.substack.com to sign up today and get our free blog every single week. For a small subscription, you can also get the second blog that comes out every week uh, from our incredible team here at Spirit and Truth. I know you're going to love it. So again, go to spiritandtruth.substack.com. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Daryl. So I, I've um, I had the opportunity to read a good chunk of the, the, the book. And at the end of the book, you, you kind of lay out the flashpoints so that people can check out exactly how they could apply it to their own life. And as I was kind of praying and reading through all this, one of the things I realized is that sometimes these feel a little bit more like art than science, like in terms of how you're wired. I, I was curious for you, which one, which, which letter out of the flash acronym is hardest for you personally? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, wow. That's a great question. You know what? I think, I think the hardest for most people, um, um, is the, is the F facing up to it. You know, that's why 80% of us are in that mm -hmm. position, right? That's why there's 20% of us that are, you know, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, the, the, the car dealership are already talking about building, you know, electric cars and trucks and Chevy trucks. But there's some that haven't even, haven't even brought an R&D specialist yet to, to, to move their product line to that area. So if they're, if they're not even going to be properly prepared for the change process, they're going to be left behind. Yeah. Right? They're going to they're gonna have to close their doors sooner or later because they're not going to have a product that people are going to want. So even when people say, what are you putting time into that? In the next five years, you're going to see why. And we're going to be on the cutting edge. That's the 20%. Those are the people that are getting up every day and they're running for four, three, four, five miles. They're lifting weights. They're, they're doing cardiovascular. Why? Because they're saying in 10 years, I won't have the high blood pressure. I won't have the cancer. I won't have those issues that come with my, my, my gene pool with my own family and the challenges that they bring, right? So, so it's just getting ahead of those opportunities and my 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 biggest challenge is the facing up to it being able to say now i'm ready okay mm. now i'm ready to take on this challenge and i push myself more and more to be in that space um and it's not easy right it's not easy to say you're gonna take on the world you're gonna change every child in the world right or you want your agency to be the most prominent agency in, in our region, right? It's a huge undertaking. <laughs> um, but, but when you're ready to do it, then that whole change process comes to life. As you were uh, sharing that face part, I think that's probably, for me, that was the one that I identified as the hardest. And mostly because ignorance is so blissful. And as That's you were right. telling that story, I was thinking about Kodak, right? Kodak didn't know that they were going out of business as they were simultaneously going out of business. I, I, I love to get into the nitty gritty. What are some of the practical 
things that you do on a random Tuesday to make sure that you stay relevant about the things that you need to change that at this point, you may not even know you need to change them yet. A great, great point. Great point. You know, you know, those things that I do to, to stay on the cutting edge of change. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always reading, you know, and I'm always listening to and talking to others. If it's in my industry about work, you know, I'm going to conferences, I'm reading up on what's, what's new in the industry. Um, there are websites that talk about futuristic, um, nonprofits, Hmm. you can, you can see what's coming. Right. And you can, so, so there's no reason why you get left behind. You shouldn't get left behind um, if you can do some work. Um, so, so, you know, I, I really try to do my homework and be academically savvy and know what's new, what's more innovative, what's coming out that, that will allow us to be more successful, both from a business perspective in relationships, right? I, I, you know, I want to be the cutting, I want to be a cutting edge father. I want to be a cutting edge husband. I want to be a cutting edge um, um, CEO. Uh, but to do that, I got to continue to find out how to be better. So I was going to school today and I was dropping my kid off and, and a document that his class had him do. And he, it said, it gives you a perspective of a, your psychological profile of what type of parent you are. Oh, wow. So, you know, just fill that out and, and, and just give it to your teacher and they can process it, right? And put the algorithms in. It'll spit out what the psychological uh, backdrop relates to you as a father. What type of father are you? What type of parent are you? Uh, and he said, well, Dan, why are you so interested in that? I said, that's the very reason those people that want to be better, they find out, they evaluate themselves so they can be better. Hmm. Everybody asking for this material, right? But I think it can help me be a better dad, a better parent to you. And, it, and that moves me, right? That, yeah. that moves me. And if somebody tells me I could be a better CEO, I could be a better mate, I could be a better athlete, um, you know, it's... It, Interesting enough, I, when I was in high school, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and I would work out and I lived in poverty and not part, but I, you know, it was five of us and, you know, two bedroom and, and it was tough, but I would get up and I would run and I'd lift before I go to school. And, and I remember, um, people saying, you know, like, why are you doing that? Well, I, 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 there is somebody in Iowa that's doing exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and I don't want them to be better than me. And I didn't know that the work I was doing wasn't even in comparison to the other 49 states of the kids that were working in that way. But I never knew. I just thought I was behind. And I thought I needed to catch up. So I was working to catch up with, in my own mind, I was ahead mm. of the nation. And, and, and as a result of that, I was the number one linebacker coming out of high school. I, so so I, I put that in perspective to say, I don't think I was training because I wanted 
be better. I thought I was behind and, and we didn't have social media and we didn't have the opportunity to look back to see who was number four or four star or five. You just kind of lived in your own little New Jersey neighborhood, right? That's all you knew. And um, so, you know, I think those are the things that we do, right? To, to continue to, to be better, to be cutting edge. You know, we, we just continue to work hard and try to be the best we can to improve ourselves so that we can deliver a product for the people we serve. I absolutely love that. I think it's it's so important uh, to wrestle with those things. I, I am curious about, um, you, you can't be cutting edge without ending up on the cutting room floor every now and then. And so I, how, how do you wrestle with, uh, I'm going to use air quotes, failure? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> Not well. I, you know, I, I, you know, there are different types of in the world. And um, um, some people that are, they, they, they don't care what people think. And there are other leaders who care what people think. Mm. And there's some that are just in between. I, I care what people think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, um, I, I want to do right by others. And I don't want to fail. Mm. And the result of that, um, I, if I fail, I'm failing other people. Mm. And so as a CEO, you fail, you fail the other 150 people that work for you. Um, the 2000 people that may work for you, or you fail your family, you fail your kids and your, your spouse, right? You, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not just you that fail. And I, I take that on. I probably take on more than I need to take on. But, you know, uh, there's a community that, that's counting on us. There's their families that count on us. There's their children that count on us. Um, so everything I do, I, I try to make sure if I fail as a football player for Notre Dame, that could mean we don't win a national championship. Um, yeah. So I got to give it my best so that uh, we can win a national championship. And that, that's the way I operate it. <laughs> you know, I give it 120% every day. So that um, when the time comes, um, I was physically, mentally prepared to compete at that level and we wouldn't lose and we didn't lose the game. So much goodness here. I, okay. I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know that my audience is going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best thing to learn, a best place to learn all things Daryl Flash Gordon? I think to, to go to uh, DarylFlashGordon.com. Um, website, uh, it's all there, um, you know, from books to, uh, affirmation, of of people that have, you know, affirmed my work, uh, to my speaking topics, to, um, um, just the, the commitment I have to the transformation of people mm. and love I have for Jesus Christ. Right. And, and, you know, I just, I was telling someone today, I am just so blessed to be able to do what I do, yeah. right? And it's, it's, a, it's a blessing, but it's God's work. And he told me I got to do it. So it's not like I chose it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my choice. It's, he told me I got to do it and I'm happy to do it. And um, so, you know, I, I say, when you find your calling, um, don't leave it. 
right? You may, it may be modified in a way. It may be a different kind of calling later, but listen to him when he tells you you have a calling because you may be fighting something and you're in a job and it's just about dollars because you got to bring dollars home and maybe somebody's listening to this. But maybe from a passion perspective, there's something else that you really want to do. You want to change. And it's something holding you back. And perhaps you'd be surprised if you if you lean on the Lord and you have faith that he's going to take care of you, he will take care of you more than you've ever thought. Right? And, and I love it. I truly believe that. I, truly I love believe it. it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, okay. Last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, except I get to name the season of life. I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice. And so I want to take you back to the end of your very first football practice at the University of Notre Dame. If you could pull up a chair in front of that younger version of you, sit knee to knee with them, hold his hands, look him in the eyes, what's the one thing that you're going to tell him? <laughs> I'm going to tell him, uh, son, job well done. Mm. So well done, right? Um, I don't feel like I have any regrets. I've done God's work the way he wanted me to do it. I would have done it again the same way, even with all of the challenges. Um, I really believe I've done it for him and not for any other person. And as a result of it, and I had the faith that yeah. he would deliver on his end. And he has, um, you know, with my family and my friends and, um, and just my future, right? And what he has positioned me to be and do um, that I can even do it in a greater way. Uh, you know, I pray about that too. Like what's, what's next? Um, what does he have for me to do next? Um, what transformation does he have for me to, to help that somebody in need um, that really needs that sense of transformation? So I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. I'm not afraid or scared. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about just continually changing and, um, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm honored that you thought enough to bring me on and to share uh, with the world um, how great God is and and living his true life, right? That's that's awesome. Amen. Daryl, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. I can't wait to uh, stay connected as God continues to move in and through your story. Well, thank you again, Tony. And the work you are doing and the way you get this information to thousands and thousands of people. And it's all about Christ and you making that the center of this conversation. And, you know, I'm on a lot of podcasts, but I always love it when it's God centered and, and you have something here, right? Amen. God, Amen. He, of you. Um, he truly will. And, and um, so I'm, I'm just excited to continue to watch you grow and, and however I can help, please let me know. I am always amazed when I get to talk to leaders like Daryl because he has such a big heart for people and for the community that he's serving. Thank you guys so much for listening into this dialogue. And thank you, Daryl, for your willingness to share your heart. Do me a favor. Go follow him on LinkedIn. Let him know that you heard him here on the podcast. Uh, I'm always, always thankful when you guys take a minute out of your busy schedule to thank our guests. As always, guys, I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you for being a part of our community. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.